Look, we have a lot of fun here at Remember the Game Industries. You've all heard my obnoxious, high-pitched laugh on the show. I love it. Video games are fun. The Simpsons are funny. It's good times. You know what isn't fun? Shopping for razors. And I don't mean that to sound sarcastic. It genuinely sucks. That's why you shouldn't shop for razors. You should just get them delivered by Harry's. Pick up a $3 trial set at harrys.com RTG and see what I'm talking about. I'm not going to stop beating the Harry's drum because it's a drum worth beating. The best razors on the market at better prices than the crap at the store and they're delivered to you. It's like a shaving cheat code. You've heard me say it. I have been a Harry's customer since I was driving a forklift at a company I'm not allowed to name but you all know who it is and sure my beard gets some praise now but i was a stubble guy for a long time and i still use harry's blades to keep the edges of my beard crisp so it looks like i have a jawline and if you've ever tried to shave along the edges of a beard you know that you can go through blades fast because there's a lot of weeds to whack in there but harry's blades just keep coming back for more i'm not just saying it there's so much better than the junky stuff you get at the store that means a faster cleaner shaving and two you buy less blades because they last longer the best razors for less money brought right to your door i don't know how else to say this harry's is on top for a reason the best reviews in the business customizable delivery schedules so you get them when you need them i can't see a reason not to use Harry's. Getting ripped off isn't funny. Switch to Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash RTG. That's harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Remember the Game. It is my retro gaming podcast where every week a buddy of mine and I sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day. My name is Adam Blank. Thank you so much for listening. This week it is episode 111 and it is finally, finally your Resident Evil 2 episode. We have been teasing this thing for months. We finally had a chance to record it. My guest Tyler is a uh, newer baby daddy. And he also works a ton of hours at his job. And I am uh, also good at things. And it just took us forever to get this set up. But we finally got it done. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. uh, Usually we record these game chats like whenever we can, me and my guests. And then they can get filed away and sit for for weeks, months, until I just feel like that's the episode I want to put out. But I know how much you guys are after the Resident Evil 2 one. Some of you have been very vocal about it. And so we only recorded it a few days ago. And boom. Uh, oh yeah, and in particularly, shout out to Todd, longtime friend of the show, longtime Patreon, longtime supporter out in uh, the good old land of Australia, because he has kept me honest about this episode ever since the first time I mentioned that we might talk Resident Evil 2. So Todd, this episode of the show is specifically dedicated to both you and the fine folks of Australia. I know we have more listeners out there, we're charting there, I, so if you're listening and you're from Australia, say hi, and uh, this episode is for 
you. I've loved that. I've loved Australia ever since that episode of The Simpsons when Bart went there. And I have wanted to visit that place forever. I want to drink a giant beer. And I want to play Knifey Spoonie. And I want to play with the didgeridoo. And I want to ride around in a kangaroo's pouch. And I certainly want to get kicked in the bum. But uh, maybe someday. Maybe someday. I can convince my girlfriend to go there. She thinks you have too many spiders. And she might be right. But anyway. Uh, so, uh, listen. This is a new era for Remember the Game. I have been teasing this for a few weeks. You guys know that things are changing. And our gaming news show launches this Friday for Patreons. This Monday uh, for for the regular, uh, for the free feeds, for the regular feeds. Um, I was going to call you all the regular folk, but you're all, oh boy, I feel like I feel like I'm like, I feel my tie tightening around my neck here. Uh, so listen, if you used to skip the intro on these shows because all you wanted to hear was retro game talk, don't skip because now the whole thing is retro game talk and just conversational stuff, but there's no modern game news. We're going to get into that on Friday. Uh, I don't know how long this intro is going to go. I'll be fucking honest with you guys. This is my second time recording it because I recorded it this morning and for some reason, it didn't fucking take, and I didn't know until I went to edit the podcast. I'm still kind of angry, but it was about 30 minutes, so this is going to be a longer one, but look in, the t- look in the description. You're going to see all of our new segments. You're going to see what we're talking about. You can skip around, go wherever you want. I don't care how you listen. The simple fact that you're listening is all that matters to me, uh, but try all the new segments and see what you like and what you don't like, and you know we're gonna all going to get through this together. Um, with that said, no more modern game news on this show. We will be saving that. There's a little bug on my microphone. Uh, we will be saving that for Friday on our new gaming show where I'm going to be talking Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, whatever I want. It's going to be all the modern news. It's going to be a 45 to 60 minute version of the old intros I used to do here on Remember the Game. And if you're wondering what the show is going to be called, I'm going to tell you right now. It is Game Patch. Game patch, just like the patches you download for games. The logo should be floating around on social media by the time you guys hear this. Uh, well, no, I'll probably put it up like Wednesday. I don't know. I don't know when I'll put it up, but you'll see it very soon. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. And so here's how this is going to work. If you support us on Patreon, you knew the plug was coming, you will have access to every episode of Game Patch Friday morning. I will upload them Thursday night, so they'll be ready for you Friday morning to help you get through your day at work. It'll be all the latest gaming news, and it'll be right there on your Patreon feed, the same feed you download Expansion Pass on, because Patreon is stubborn as fuck and won't let me have two top secret or two secret uh, exclusive podcast feed so it'll be right there with expansion pass on your phone or on your ipad or whatever it is and you can listen to it and la 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 if you do not support us on patreon that's okay then you can listen to it monday um i'm not gonna lie to you guys if you've never set up a podcast getting your podcast on itunes and spotify and everything is a fucking bitch you have to jump through a bunch of hoops you've got to get approved by stuff it takes you don't know how long it's going to take it is so fucking frustrating so here's what we're going to do when the first episode of game patch goes on to free feeds on monday it's going to be right here on the remember the game feed okay so you can just check out the first episode without subscribing to anything new it'll just show up right there and you can listen to it then if you want to listen to episode two etc moving forward you will have to find the game patch feed look for game patch on your podcast provider and subscribe to it and i'll let you guys all know when it's active on those things because i know it's going to take a few days from whenever i put it live such a fucking pain in the ass um but after week one you will have to subscribe to game patch on your own feed but uh, but either way i'm excited it seems like a lot of you guys are excited this is going to be a huge commitment for me a lot of time put into this a lot more work uh but i think it's going to be a lot of fun and i really think it's going to help out the show and the brand remember the game and based on the response you nerds are into this thing too because project level up is in full swing and the support i've seen over on the patreon device has been fucking insane 
My goal is 200 supporters, and we jumped by almost two dozen in the last like six, seven days, which is fucking insane. You guys have been rad. So for starters, a massive thank you to all of our newest Patreons since last week's episode, who are Aaron Lawson, Kevin Chincholo, Mikolos Blackshaw, another stupid monkey. We're going to get a whole group of stupid monkeys. The T-Word, Mikhail Hegg. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, Mikhail. Let me know. Mr. Nick, Matt McLean, Miles Bring Back Retro, Brian Ransom, White Burrow, and Chris Knife 007. So thank you all so much for the support. If you would like a shout out like that, then all you got to do is pay $2. You know that the plug's coming. People have said they would pay more, but my thought is I want to keep it cheap enough for everyone. Hopefully people that enjoy it will uh, will toss me the two bucks in support. At some point we may add another tier, but I don't have enough to offer you in exchange for your money at this point. Two bucks gets you our exclusive show expansion pass every Sunday. You get early access to our new show game patch on every Friday. You also can submit comments and questions to all three podcasts while I'll be reading throughout the show. You're about to hear a whole bunch of comments because I'm going to read a ton of them. You can DM with me. You can vote for the games we cover, and when we hit two 200 patrons i will send everyone that makes up that number a remember the game lanyard and a personal handwritten thank you note that is at least a three dollar value for only two bucks patreon.com slash remember the game please consider it you might think your two dollars doesn't help it doesn't matter it really fucking does and you might think adam's rich and he doesn't need the money i really fucking do so that's all um also, before we get into retro talk, and the plug isn't going to be this long every week, but I obviously have to lay the groundwork for the new show. Uh, I'm on Twitch now. I don't have a regular Twitch schedule yet. My plan is to start posting a schedule Monday morning. Uh, you may have seen the one I posted this week. It didn't have my Twitch schedule, but my plan going forward is every Monday I'm going to post a schedule on all our social media, which is going to show you the podcast for the week, what we're going to cover on those podcasts, and what times I will be on Twitch. My plan is to get on there four or five times a week, sometimes in the afternoon, sometimes in the evening. I'll try to switch it up so that no matter where you live maybe you can pop by and say hi i primarily going to be playing retro stuff including the games we're going to be covering here on the show but sometimes i'll just be playing mario kart or tetris or whatever the fuck it is that i feel like playing uh thanks to everyone that came by our stream monday night we're still in the learning process working out the, the kinks uh but we, we had a few internet hiccups but we're getting there we're getting the bugs worked out i'm completely new to this i'm learning it's really fun chatting with you guys i love interacting with all of you so follow me i'll follow you back come by and say hi whenever you want uh go to twitch TV, and then my login is member the game not remember as somebody already has that it's member the game follow me i'll follow you back we'll be twitch friends and you can watch me play games and more importantly you can just chat with me in the chat and i'll talk back to you and we'll all have fun some of you have asked if i'm going to activate subscriptions over on twitch i don't know exactly what they are so no uh at least not yet but i might i might look at it uh listen guys like i I have always taken pride in being honest with you guys. And here's the thing. I feel bad asking for money, but it is kind of my job now. And if I'm sinking this much time and this much money into this, I have to try to grow this thing as a business. So I'm still leaving it at two bucks to get a hold of all the podcasts and everything like that. But I may look at subscriptions over on Twitch later for like exclusive streams or maybe Q and A's or something. I got to figure out what I can do with it. Um, it does have donations open where you can donate to the PayPal. Uh, it's on Twitch, but do not feel like you have to. It says it right there on the page as well. Just toss me a follow and come say hi. That's all I ask. And if you want to donate, fucking, I'm totally appreciative and not going to argue with you, but all I want is a follow and a hello. That's all I'm looking for. So that's where Remember the Game is. You guys are rad. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We are, as I say this, at 106 of the 200 patrons I need, which is fucking 20-some more than we were at a week ago. Fucking excited. Let's get into the brand new intro for Remember the Game. <laughs> 
Uh, and, and listen, I'm sure this intro is going to go through some growing pains. If you watch any show or any podcast you listen to, the early seasons to the later seasons just kind of flips around and people change how they do stuff. But I do like the segments that we've got worked out and we're going to see how these go. And I want to start every week with just a couple listener questions, comments, just stuff I'm taking off the Patreon page. And, uh, and I used to read literally every comment and question you guys sent me. There's just too many now. But here's the thing. Uh, I do see them all. I keep track of whose comments I read and I'm going to try to read different people's every week, try to get everyone in here. So if you're hesitant to comment, if you're already on the Patreon or you're hesitant to sign up and comment because you think, well, he's never going to read my comments anyway. We don't have like 10,000 patrons or anything. I see every comment. I keep track of who I read. I promise. I promise I will get you on the show if you leave comments, okay? Leave it. Have a take. Make it controversial if you want. Just make your point. Make it. I don't even care if you make it entertaining. Quite frankly, I'll find a way to make it entertaining. Just leave me your comments, and I will get them on the show. I guarantee it. Just maybe not every week, but I will try. I promise. Um... Plus, we do a monthly Patreon Q&A where I answer every question I get. I don't care if it takes three hours. I answer everything. So we're going to call this, this is our warm-up segment. This, it's like blowing in the cartridge. You know, when you tip, when you fire up your NES and you in the cart before you put her in? That's, that's what we're going to call this segment. This is blowing in the cartridge. That's what we're calling it. Let's blow in the cartridge. Our first comment came from Luca. I don't know how to say your last name, Luca. And he, Luca said, what is your take on modern retro style games like Shovel Knight or Axiom Verge? Have you played many? And how do they compare to actual retro games? I fucking love them. Luca, people say that maybe it's overdone these days and the market's a little oversaturated because every second indie game has a retro art style to it. But I fucking say good because listen, 3D games are still evolving. They're not going anywhere. We're still getting them. You don't have to worry about that. Um, but you got these indie games are keeping that two dimensional 8 bit, 16 bit retro art style alive. And I fucking can't get enough. They sell well. So I'm not the only one. A lot of gamers grew up playing the NES, the SNES, the Sega Genesis, stuff like that. So we want more of these retro style games. And you got to remember too, a lot of these developers grew up playing those games, right? Kids like, I mean, I'm 36 and kids my age that grew up with an NES and a Super Nintendo are making these games now. So you can see the influence and I fucking think it's rad, man. And you know what? In another 15 years, kids that are growing up right now playing stuff like Minecraft and Fortnite are going to be making games. And I'll bet you dollars to donuts that you're going to see influences from those games in the games that those kids are making down the road. So I think it's awesome. It's just them taking what they know and giving us more of it, you know? And you mentioned Axiom Verge and Shovel Knight specifically. Uh, I actually reviewed Shovel Knight on Expansion Pass uh, a couple of months ago, and it is fucking fantastic. A borderline contender for my top 10 favorite games of all time. It's a retro action platformer. It's difficult. It's tight. It takes... Um, it takes inspiration from a ton of games we all grew up with. It is so fucking good. And I have played Axiom Verge as well, and I really liked it. I played it on my Vita back in the day. If you haven't played that, it's like an 8-bit uh, NES kind of Metroid game. Very primitive looking, but it's a lot of fun. It's hard, um, but I love Metroidvania-style games, and it's cheap. If you see it for under 10 bucks, Axiom Verge has the Remember the Game seal of approval. I highly recommend it. Um, and just quickly, before I move on, I would also like to, if you're looking for retro-style indie games, another one you should have in the conversation is Celeste. I recommend that game so hard. It is a super difficult platformer. It looks like an NES game. It is fucking perfect. I adore that game. So check out Celeste if you're into those types of games as well. And thank you for blowing in the cartridge, Luca. Next comment is from Ben Boucher. And Ben said, Adam, what are your favorite multiplayer games? Please have separate lists for couch multiplayer and online multiplayer. Good luck with your new podcast and Godspeed. Thanks, Ben. 
Godspeed to you too. I like, I'm not a religious man, but I love saying Godspeed. I like that. That sounds nice. So thanks, Ben. Godspeed to you. I am primarily a single player gamer, um, but I, there's some multiplayer. I mean, for couch uh, multiplayer, has to be wrestling. Has to be. The Nintendo 64 games are right up there uh, with some of my favorite like moments of all time. And that's right even through to the WWE 2K games. I know a lot of people shit on WWE 2K today, deservedly so, and I shit on them too. But some of my fondest memories, like my buddies and I could play Royal Rumbles in those fucking games for hours and just laugh. And it's so fun because the Royal Rumble is 30 wrestlers. So if you get eliminated from the match, you just get another wrestler and you get to keep playing. So fucking good. Um, so those are my couch games by a mile is wrestling. And the, oh, and and fuck yeah, Overcooked 2. Shout out to Overcooked. If you never played it, it's couch it's couch co-op and you're going to work together to like cook food and serve uh, customers at a restaurant but at the same time you're going to fight with each other because someone is going to fuck up and you're all going to get mad at each other my girlfriend and I play it together it's really easy to pick up and play particularly I recommend the Switch version if you're playing in the same room as somebody because you can just use the Joy-Cons um, but yeah it's resulted in some arguments we've had to walk away from each other but it's hella fun man I love it as far as online multiplayer goes uh, Mario Kart 8 by a mile is my number one. I, you guys know I'm a Mario Kart junkie. Splatoon is fucking awesome. Tetris 99 is sick. Like Mario Kart and Tetris are some of my favorite franchises ever. And now having them online means that I can just find a competitive game of them whenever I want. Cause I don't have anyone living with me. That's very good at Tetris or Mario Kart, but now I can just hop online and play it. I dude, if I start playing Mario Kart eight before I know it, like three hours is gone and I've just wasted the night playing Mario Kart eight online. Plus Fucking shout out to Nintendo. There's no voice chat. So that means that when kids beat me, they don't afterwards call me names that I can't fucking call them because I'm a 36-year-old man and I'll get in trouble. So yeah, those are my jam online. Uh, Thanks, Ben. Thanks for the support, buddy. Uh, and then Rome 21 uh, wrote in and, uh, and, and uh, Daniel said, uh, I've plugged many obscure and sometimes crappy games in the past, but one I haven't heard you talk about, let alone mention it all, is Evo Search. I, I assume it's, it's E-V-O Search for Eden. Oh, I see. Evo Search for Eden for the SNES. It's a side-scrolling action RPG published by Enix where you go through th- five major time periods with the goal of entering the Garden of Eden. You start out as a fish and do battle with various creatures which net you Evo points. Evo points are used to evolve and change your character on the fly. All the adaptions affect your stats differently. You progress through different stages so you beat a big boss move to the next area the other or the next era. The other eras being amphibians, dinosaurs, mammals, and early men. You can get multiple endings, hidden paths, and stages. See Secret Evolutions, and so on. It's an all-around great game with some interesting elements, especially for a game from the early 90s. Sadly, emulation is your best bet since physical copies are stupid expensive and it's never been re-released that I know of. Got tons of fond memories attached to this game and I could go on forever about it. Adam and anyone else should give it a look for sure, especially if you love paleobiology. God, I'm dumb. As much as I do. Uh, I'm reading this comment and this message for for a couple of reasons. Uh, I love hearing about games that I don't know. Uh, Rome and his wife are longtime friends of the show. You can find them on Twitch at KMR underscore live. Check them out. And because this comment had a ton of likes from other Patreons. So obviously, a few of you know what this game is. You clearly know what paleobiology is. I <laughs> I honestly don't know anything about this game or the science of pa- pale- paleo. Pale- I don't even know what the fuck. The- I assume it's dinosaurs or time. I don't know. Um... 
someone listening to this right now is like, this guy's a fucking idiot. Uh, but it does sound fun. So it's a game. If this is a game that all you paleobiologists uh, want to hear about, let me know. And I'll try to get it on the old SNES there. So, uh, And I have one more uh, letter, comment, uh, whatever you want to call it, to blow before we move on. And this is going to be the new home of letter time. It's a nice little conversation piece to start the show here. So with that said, it's letter time. It's letter time. And this one comes from Andy Baker. And Andy says, hey, Adam, I hope things are going well, man. Great work on the pod. And I'm really happy to see you expand. Thanks, Andy. Uh, I couldn't do it without you guys. And then Andy said, something I'd be curious to hear you talk about is that some time ago, I recall you posting a pic on Instagram from a trip to Japan. I believe you were doing a Mario Kart experience. I haven't heard you talk about your travels there much, but I would love to hear your thoughts on that trip and what it means to travel there as a gamer. I was there in 2016 and had a really transformative impact on how I understood gaming in Asia and the origin of some of my favorite games. Anyways, thanks again for the great show and best wishes through the rest of 2020. Uh, you too. Andy, God knows everybody needs some best wishes this fucking year. We got four more months and we're coming up on the final boss and I don't want to know what the fuck it's going to be here in 2020. Um, I didn't pick this letter uh, to blow smoke up my own ass. I picked this letter to blow smoke up Japan's ass because I love that country so much. Love might not even be a strong enough word for how I feel about Japan. If I was presented with a chance to move there... I would have to think long and hard about it. I'm a proud Canadian. I love this country, but man, Japan is just the, I fucking, oh, I love it. My girlfriend and I went there for, in 2018 for a week. And uh, like Andy mentioned, one of the things we did was a tour around Tokyo where you drive go-karts through the city. You follow a guide, but you're right there. You're along, you're, you're, you're driving alongside cars and trucks. You're going like 40, 50 miles an hour on these go-karts. You see the whole city. It's a couple hours long. It's fucking incredible. And they will let you dress up as Nintendo characters, which was just like, I dressed as Bowser. My girlfriend dressed as Peach. Two other guys in our group that we didn't know dressed as Mario and Luigi, which was awesome. And then the other two people in our group dressed as Cookie Monster and a Minion. And I was really pissed off because it was like, dude, there's Yoshi, Donkey Kong, and Wario costumes right there. The six of us could be Mario Kart and we could be legendary. But instead, when you look at the fucking pictures we took in Japan on these go-karts, there's me and my girlfriend as Peach and Bowser and then a Cookie Monster and Minion and then Mario and Luigi. And it just, ugh, and I can't crop them out because they're right in the middle and I'm not very good at cropping. Uh, but then you rip around the city and dude, you stop at traffic lights or stop signs or anything and fucking people are, are smiling and waving at you and taking pictures of you. It is the coolest fucking thing. The coolest. They actually got sued by Nintendo and they can't let people dress up as Nintendo characters any, anymore, unfortunately. But I'm telling you guys, like the top five funnest things I've ever done. And just as far as the gaming culture goes there, it's insane. Dude, there's arcades everywhere, retro gaming stores everywhere. There's a chain there called Super Potato. And uh, I, if you know Japanese gaming, you know it. I made my girlfriend walk across Tokyo just to visit Super Potato. And you go in and it's like it's a store, but it's stacked on top of itself. So many stores over there are actually like really small floors, but they're like four, five, six stories high. And uh, every floor is just video games, tons of old video games. They're all well-preserved. They're packaged individually. And like, I had such a hard on in that store. I could have stayed there all day. It was so sick. Um, and you can just tell how big gaming is there, like how entwined in the culture it is, like Nintendo, Pokemon, Sega is fucking huge there. Uh, retro gaming stores that aren't Super Potato are still all over the place. I went into so many. I could have bought so much, but I like I can't read Japanese, and I thought I'd have buyer's remorse if I came home with a bunch of Japanese video games that I didn't even know how to read or play. But I will say, I had a Famicom Mini. Uh, if by chance you don't know what the Famicom is, what they call the NES in, in Japan. That's what it was originally called. And so I had a Famicom Mini 
in my hand and I changed my mind and put it back when we were there and I'm just kicking myself to this day. Like I don't collect a lot of trinkets, but I wish I had brought that thing home just to put it on my shelf with all my other mini consoles, even if I hadn't played it or anything. Um, I fucking, I loved it there. It feels like video games are to Japan what hockey is to Canada. Like it's just their tradition. Uh, maybe it's because I seeked it out. I don't know, but I was just in heaven. If we have any Japanese listeners, please get a hold of me because I would love to talk to you about Japanese gaming over there. I, oh, it's so fucking dope. I can't recommend it enough. And the country is spotless and clean. The people are just nice and respectful. The nicest I've ever dealt with. The gaming uh, environment is sick. They're very accommodating. Like I speak nothing but English and I had no trouble getting around. I adored Tokyo. Um, fucking best trip of my life. And then we went to Vietnam after Tokyo and Vietnam was gorgeous, but I got the worst sunburn I've ever had and had to spend the last three days of the trip sitting in our resort hotel room playing tropical freeze and taking cold showers. But that's a story for another day. Japan was sick. So, uh, so good start. That's our new intro. That is blowing in the cartridge. They don't have to be gaming comments. We're just, we're blowing in the cartridge here. You can blow it however you want. Um, another new segment that I want to bring to the show every week is play one, remake one, erase one. I wasn't sure how this was going to go over and the comments and the feedback was sick. Everyone got worked up about it. I give you, I'll give you three retro games and uh, you can play one as it was released. You can remake one as a modern game and the third game is erased forever. And this week's three games are the NES Mario Brothers trilogy, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, and Super Mario Brothers 3. And we got a ton of different takes on this, plus on social media and stuff. I can't possibly read all of them. So uh, thank you to everyone that wrote in with your suggestions. I do have a few here. Uh, and it's interesting to hear the different takes. So uh, listen, here we go. Charlie M said, Mario 3 is perfect. Leave it as it is. Erase Mario 2 because it's not a real Mario game anyway. Mario 1 is a classic. And if they remake it somehow as like an HD third person, uh, something crazy like that, I'm in. And Doug Dorn said the same thing. Uh, leave the first, or no, sorry, Doug Dorn flipped the two of them around. Leave the first Mario as it is. It's earned that right. Erase two and remake three. And Keegan Wilson agreed. Play Mario one. It literally saved video games, so it should be left as it is. Erase Mario two. It's the weakest game. Remake Mario three in something like the new Super Mario Brothers style. Uh, so, and I'll tell you guys, an overwhelming majority erased Mario two and then they would either play Mario 1 and Remake 3 or vice versa, depending on who it was. Um, I know that Mario 2 is the freak game, but I just don't agree. I do not agree with erasing it. I just it, I like it too much, and I'm not the only one. Adam Anderson wrote in, great name, and Adam said, keep Mario 3 because it's a perfect NES game that's still playable today, and it's the one I revisit all the time. Remake Mario 2. It's a much different game as it wasn't originally a Mario game anyway. Lots of cool things could be done to modernize it. I'd love to see it. And erase Super Mario Brothers. Well, it's a revolutionary game. It's the one I revisit the least. It's hard to do, but I imagine a world where Mario 2 was the original introduction and it was followed up by Mario 3. And Joe Gillespie agreed. He said this could cause a stink, but play Mario 3, remake Mario 2, and kill Super Mario Brothers. Uh, and I just... It like... Ugh... Like, I get it. I get what you guys are saying. Like, you would both keep Mario 3, Remake 2, and get rid of the original. But that opens Pandora's box. That's like the grandfather clause in time travel. If you eliminate Super Mario Brothers, do Mario Brothers 2 and Mario Brothers 3 even exist to play and remake? Hmm. See, there's your hook. Kevin Hufford wrote in, and Kevin nailed it. You keep Super Mario, remake Mario 2, and although unpopular, I would get rid of Mario 3. It's a great game for its time, but with Super Mario World on the SNES, they would easily take its place. Boom. Now, none of you are wrong. There's no wrong answers here, but Kevin is right. 
That is exactly what I would do as well because I just cannot, I cannot bring myself to erase, remake, touch, or harm Super Mario Brothers in any way. If I could preserve one game for all time, it would be the original Super Mario Brothers. And I agree with everyone that wants to remake Mario 2. I know it's the freak game, but I love what it did. I'd remake it. I'd keep it 2D. I'd go with like an 8 to 16-bit kind of graphical style, better mechanics, tighter controls. It would be fucking awesome. Plus, you got to remember, if you get rid of Mario 2, there's no more Shy Guys. We don't know that Toad is a little beefcake. Princess Peach can't fly. We just, you can't. You can't get rid of Mario. Plus, then we'd get stuck with Lost Levels. And nobody wants to fucking play Lost Levels. That game crushes souls, you guys. And I get that erasing Super Mario Brothers 3 is a criminal offense. But guess what? Skip the Dishes can't find my house. So I'm not too worried about the cops coming and arresting me for erasing Mario Brothers 3. And I love that game as much as the next person. But Kevin nailed it. You can have Super Mario World fill the void in your heart. It's a better game anyways. But thank you for all the responses. It was way too many. I couldn't get to all of them. I really enjoyed that. That I want that to be a weekly thing here on the show. So keep your opinions coming and make sure your takes are as hot as possible. Don't worry about offending anybody. Just say what you would fucking do. I want to hear everybody's opinions on this. And this is where I would normally get into the actual gaming, retro gaming news uh, if it existed. But I don't have any retro gaming news to bring up this week. So if there is retro gaming news on any given week, this is where you will find it. And it's funny because as I was looking for gaming news to talk about, there was a ton I wanted to talk about, but it's all modern games. And that's for the other show. That's for Game Patch. So I'm like, I got to stay away from that now. But it's like a rash that I just want to scratch and I can't. There's so much I want to talk about. And speaking of rash, fuck yeah, there we go. Boom. I just thought of it. There's your gaming news for the week. Uh, Battletoads comes out this Friday. And I know it's a modern game. It's on Xbox and Game Pass Windows. I get it's a modern game. But we all know it's a great tie-in to one of the greatest retro games of all time. One of the most... I shouldn't say greatest. But one of the most... um, I don't know if I want to say infamous either. One of the most well-known retro games of all time. And that is the original Battletoads. Uh, I got to say, I'm pretty excited for this game. Um, I'm assuming that I won't get any further than the speed bikes like I can't do in any other Battletoads game. But that's okay. I don't fucking care. I just want to play it. Uh, Streets of Rage 4 a couple months ago came out. It was a remake, or it was a, a new game in an ancient series, and it was awesome. Crash Bandicoot 4 comes out in a few weeks, and it looks fucking sick. Battletoads looks awesome. I am loving seeing these old game series be uh, brought back in 2020 and having new games made out of them remakes and re-releases are cool i know some people disagree but as far as i'm concerned more games are more games but i'm loving the idea of you reviving these old franchises and injecting new life into them with new games i hope it continues they seem to sell well maybe we'll finally get the mario rpg sequel that we've all been fucking praying for forever like gaming translates into that so much better than movies because you look at that new ghostbusters movie from a few years ago that fucking sucked indiana jones was fucking garbage the new one like movies don't always translate into a new one 20 or 30 years later, but games, if done properly, do. And I'm really excited for fucking Battletoads. So there's that's the closest thing I had to retro news this week. If there isn't any retro news, I'm not going to give you any news, all right? We're just going to talk more video games. Um, good enough. I will get into what I've been playing, and then we'll talk Resident Evil 2. I actually haven't been playing much of anything. I've been in such a busy week trying to get all the new shows up and get the, the fucking new laptop set up and get the Twitch stream figured out and... It's just like, it's been fucking crazy. Um, But I have played some Pokemon Emerald, uh, including streaming it on Twitch because that won our Patreon poll and I got to cover it next week. So I guess, spoiler, there's what your episode 112 is going to be. 
Uh, so I definitely got to fucking finish that. I have been playing it. It's good, but like, it's just not grabbing me. Like every time I fire it up, I'm like, I don't want to fucking play this. And I don't know if it's cause I'm burned out on RPGs or there's, I don't know. We'll get into it on the episode next week. Uh, I've been playing a little bit of Slay the Spire because as you guys know, Slay the Spire is the unofficial official game of Remember the Game. It's fucking awesome. And I actually fired up Halo ODST on my Xbox on the on the Halo Master Chief Collection. Um, I want to finish all the Halo campaigns before Halo Infinite comes out and I've never played ODST, Reach, or 5. So I, I just want to go through all of them. Um, unfortunately, with Halo Infinite being delayed, I have more time to play them now. Um, but that's it. That's what I've been playing. Let's, uh, let's get into Resident Evil 2. I know that's why some of you guys are here before. And here's one more new segment before I get into the conversation with my guest and we talk about the game. Uh, I'm giving all of you, uh, over on the old Patreon service, a chance to share your thoughts, your memories, your, your ideas, uh, your criticisms of the games that we're going to talk about. So I quickly want to get to a couple of listeners' thoughts on Resident Evil 2. I know a lot of these games are as important to you guys and as special to you guys as they are to us. And every podcaster that starts a podcast dreams of having a community big enough that they can interact with them and read their comments and get them involved in the show. And we fucking have that now. And that's a big deal to me. It's incredibly important to me. And so I want to start sharing your guys' thoughts on the games that we're covering every week. So with that said, a couple of people's thoughts on Resident Evil 2, starting with the infamous talk from australia that has been up my ass to cover this game forever and todd says bro just quietly i'm a little hard here i remember this game when it came out and all the hype in playstation magazine blew me away the eerie soundtrack to this masterpiece still gets me even to this day um and you know what i'll be honest with you dude i also vividly remember the marketing campaigns in the old gaming magazines when this game came out it was everywhere that fucking cover art with the silver two with the red around and that face fucking peeking around the corner that game was everywhere and i didn't play it back in the day i remember seeing those ads everywhere being like what the fuck i want to play final fantasy 7 i don't want to what the fuck is this and now i get it now i get the hype side note we need gaming magazines back we got to do an episode of expansion pass about gaming magazines soon um Fuck yeah. Good good, good letter, Todd. Good job. Uh, Craig Kilcup wrote in and said, if we're talking the original 98 version, it's a classic that really defines survival horror in the 90s. There's nothing like seeing Mr. X bowling through a wall while you're calmly walking down the hall and being sent into a panic trying to get away from him. It's the first game in the series to offer multiple scenarios as well. Yes, it is. Uh, and then he said the remake did a great job capturing survival horror again, but it fell a little short, in my opinion, due to a lot of the story elements being taken out. Mr. X is more prominent and literally chases you around the police department. And when you don't see him, but he's close, you can hear his heavy footsteps getting closer to you, which is really effective with a headset. It's very visually appealing. And overall, it's just a great experience. You can tell they really put a lot of work in remaking this game. Uh, overall, both are some of my favorites in the series. And we talk about this more in the episode in a couple of minutes. But this game, like to me, one of the biggest feathers in Resident Evil 2's cap is that it's not only considered one of the guest games from the PS1 era, but the remake is considered not only one of the best remakes of this generation, but just one of the best games of this era as a whole. And the fact that it is a remake is incredible. Like So Resident Evil 2 has become one of the defining games of two separate generations, you guys. That's sick. Like It's one of those slam dunk hall of fame first ballot fucking games that's a huge deal i gotta play that remake i haven't played it yet because i'm cheap but i'm going to keep hoping it's coming to game pass i'm just gonna have to pay for it and then our last our last uh comment about resident evil 2 comes from wyman brooks i have not played resident evil 2 so i'm looking forward to hear this episode to hear about it if only it had been on the playstation classic and you want to know something wyman i was in the exact same fucking boat i finally played this game when it magically appeared on my playstation classic 
nothing else needs to be said. But you're goddamn right. It should have been there all along. I talked about that on last Sunday's episode of Expansion Pass. You can listen to that there. But that's not about Expansion Pass. It's about Resident Evil 2 on the PlayStation 1. My buddy Tyler played the piss out of this game when it came out. And he's my guest this week. I'm going to cue some creepy-ass music. And we are finally going to talk Resident Evil 2, which originally released in North America on the Sony PlayStation on January 21st, 1998. Kick back, relax, wash your hands, grab your green herbs. Let's talk Resident Evil 2. Here we go. If you're hearing this, you're probably a gamer. And for our kind, nothing is as precious and valuable as our save files. Have you ever experienced the loss of a save file? It's soul crushing. Dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of work gone like that. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. It matters, but kinda, you know? That exact scenario, but with a work project, an essay for school, data for your business, that's no joke. That can be really serious. You need a safety net. And I got you, fam, with my partners over at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. CrashPlan has been protecting people's data since 2001. And a couple years ago, they set out on their own with one mission, to provide the best best damn cloud backup solution on the market. CrashPlan runs quietly in the background of your computer or Mac and every 15 minutes on the clock they create a new backup of every file that's changed in that time. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, you don't lose hours, lose days, lose weeks of work. Just log into your account and you can download your most recent backup from the secure cloud servers. And there's not just one backup. There's a laundry list of them. You can pick and choose which one you want. It's like the ultimate undo button. If you work on a computer in any capacity, CrashPlan is a must-have. And if you're thinking, ah, that's for big businesses, I'm just Joe Schmo. CrashPlan protects Joe Schmo. They offer a ton of plans and tiers. So there's a CrashPlan for everyone from small one-person businesses like me to you fancy businesses in offices with staff and free donuts and all that stuff. Time is money. Why wouldn't you protect your work? Spreadsheets, diagrams, videos, art, podcasts. CrashPlan has you covered. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Okay, so finally, finally, here is your goddamn Resident Evil 2 episode. So for all of you people, and I'm looking at you, fucking Todd, that have been bothering me for like six months, being like, where's the Resident Evil 2 episode? Where's the... Here it is. And I'm telling you all right now, if it turns out that my voice recorder didn't record this or something and Tyler and I have to do it again, you're never getting a Resident Evil 2 episode because it's taken (laughs) us too fucking long to try to set this up and I'm not doing it again. Joining me via the telephone device is longtime guest, supporter of the show. You may remember from episode 100, uh, my buddy Tyler, Super Dad Tyler. How's it going, buddy? Good, really good. 
busy but good yeah we have like I'm, t- I'm telling all of you guys like i don't i'm not gonna go into our personal lives particularly tyler's personal life but like i will tell you we have been trying to set this up for a long time i promise it's not like we were just like ah fuck we'll do it later well fuck we'll do it later we have been trying so hard so tyler who's a new dad has put his child down for a nap and i have got an hour to sneak in before i have to go help my girlfriend with something and we're squeezing this in right now uh resident evil 2 tyler this game sucks you didn't like it? No, I'm I'm kidding. It's pretty good. Ah, um, <laughs> dude, was, that's the angriest was, I've ever heard you. Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> I loved it. It was a vast improvement from the first one. The first one I liked, but definitely like had, you know, just the the English dubbing was bad, the fucking dialogue was terrible. Just and it but it was the tip of the spear, right? So, loved the first one, but this was like, oh, oh my god, right off the beginning, like yeah, I agree. Um, I, then, go ahead. Well, and I was going to say, like, I had the stupid undercut, like, mushroom cut that Leon had. So right away, I like, was like, oh, that could be me when I'm an adult. <laughs> that could be Leon fighting the zombies. Oh, uh, my God. The classic bull fucking mushroom cuts. I love it. Fuck yeah. Resident Evil 1, I like that game a lot. I kind of love that it's really campy and cheesy, like a shitty horror movie. Just like we talked about when we talked about Resident Evil 1. Uh, but you're yeah, right. Yeah. Re- Resident Evil, t- like it's funny, man, because some video games, they like they come up with the sauce in the first one, and then the sequel, it, like Mega Man Two, for example, is a great example where they just like yeah. they just perfected it. And then in other times, yeah. the sequel kind of drops the ball, and you're like, well, you're trying to be something that you're not. We just want more of the same, uh, dude. Resident Evil Two is like. I mean, Mega Man 2 is my my go-to idea of, like, a second game improving on the first one. But I, to me, Resident not, Evil not, 2 is not just... Not Mario 2? Pardon me? Not Mario 2? <laughs> no. no. Although I do, lo- <laughs> I do love Mario 2. But no, no. Uh, Mega Man 2, to me, is, like, my go-to example of, like, a sequel being better than the original. But honestly, dude, like, this game is just as... Like, to me, Resident Evil 1 to Resident Evil 2 is just as big of a leap as Mega Man 1 from Mega Man 2. Resident Evil 2 is fucking awesome it is so like you're right right off the gate when you're fucking downtown and everything's like on fire and you're like what the fuck right away it was like this is so much more like action-packed than the first one oh yeah like it plays like an action movie like a survival horror action movie like that's that's how i felt the whole time especially with leon's story um and like right off the hop he doesn't know what the fuck's going on so it's just this like evolution of Oh my God, like zombie, like, you know, there's no, your discovery. So you didn't have to play the first game. You could play starting from the second game, depending on how old you are, when it came out or whatever, whatever point it was in your life. And right away, you can connect with the main character, which is a really important aspect of storytelling. Like that's kind of one of those things that the first, like a new hope and the star, the first star Wars movies that they did really well. Whereas the prequels didn't do as well in that, Luke Skywalker is the relatable character for so many people because he, you know, he's this fucking hick farm boy, right? Same with Leon. He's the relatable character. He just, he's the new guy. He doesn't know what's going on. And you can follow him through the story as he figures things out and then becomes like one of the most badass characters in the Resident Evil universe. Yeah. And you know, what's really nuts is, and I'm sure there's other people out there like me, like I played Resident Evil 4 before I played Resident Evil 2. So I already knew Leon is like, like Leon's my guy because I love fucking Resident Evil 4. 
And then when I got to play yeah. this one, you're right. Like you relate to him right away because the dude is lost in this big city. He's a new cop. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? And I know what he becomes because of Resident Evil 4. So I was like, even if, you, even if you've already played Resident Evil 4 and future games and you know what Leon becomes, like it's worth going back to this to see the origin of Leon because you're right. Like I think Leon's the coolest character in Resident Evil. Um, oh, yeah. And then, like you said, just him, the fact- him and then Chris, him and then Chris, they're like neck yeah. and neck for me. Yeah, I, I just I, don't have the same. I don't have the same build as Chris, so I'm like, ah, fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah. Big arms. Whereas we're both clearly as cool as Leon. Uh, yeah, fuck or, me. Or just a step below. <laughs> but it was like it was nuts. My, my hairline's not there anymore. <laughs> I fuck. I hear that. Fuck me. Uh, that's why I always wear my hat. Um, but no, it was fucking nuts. Like, like I loved the idea of going into the city because as cool as the first game is and as creepy as that mansion is, like being in the mansion or else like in the garden behind the mansion for the whole game is kind of like, I didn't realize I wanted to get out of the mansion until I started playing Resident Evil 2. You know what I mean? And I was yeah. like, oh, this is yeah, so yeah. much better that I can fucking move around. And I thought that it was almost going to be too big and overwhelming and it, I, it wasn't like, and I guess you spend a lot of Resident Evil two in the police station. You could argue that it's like the mansion, but even being in the police station to me was more fun than being in the mansion. Yeah, no, for sure. And just the the weapons that were available to you, it just it felt like everything was more and more polished. The the puzzles were similar, so you kind of had that familiarity, like, oh, you know, I don't have to figure out how to do everything. It's like, oh, this is going to be important. You know, you knew what to say. Um. Even just the, the like, fighting a liquor, you know, you fight a liquor right off, like, probably in the first 15 minutes. Like, just having, instead of just zombie after zombie after zombie for the first, I don't know, I felt like for the first half an hour or something, I didn't see anything different in Resident Evil 1. I also played it when I was quite a bit younger and a little bit, like, well, I'm still just as dumb as I was then, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, no, but you're right. Like Resident, like by the end of Resident Evil One, as fun as Resident Evil One is, like by the end of it, it it's, I don't want to say it's repetitive, but like it all, it kinda is. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not, not and I don't mean that in a bad way because it's really fun and they throw in the dogs and shit like that. Uh, but I just constantly switching out the environments in this one and having to go down into the sewers and do all this stuff and the fact that you can play as two different characters with two different stories that are running side by side, like it's just. Right really really all they would have had to do with resident evil 2 if they had wanted to is take leon put him in the police station and basically make the same game make resident evil 1 all over again but in a different building with a different character and you know what i mean like they could have just kept churning those out if they'd wanted to and it would have been just fine they probably would have sold people would have liked them but that they really fucking went to town on this like to me resident evil 1 was them trying something resident evil 2 was them being like let's make this into a franchise you know what i mean like let's make this something people have to play Right, and then even the the villains, like in Resident Evil One, like wow, West, you know, whatever. Spoiler alert: Wesker betraying you, like that's a big plot twist, right? Mm-hmm. But in two, you know, having uh, having William Birkin, and you kind of empathize with his situation and his daughter and you know wife, like so. The villain has this whole fucking backstory that just makes it more human. He's just not like the maniacal, like I'm the traitor, <laughs> you know, piece of shit. Like he, he has, you know, motives that are empathetic to anybody who would be in that situation, right? Like he just, he's obsessed with his work. You know, it's his life's work. He's trying to save his family, save himself. Like, you know, the G virus instead of just the T virus, like they just take everything to that next level. Uh, You know, having Ada Wong in there and having like a love, like a, a very like James Bond style love story with Leon and 
Ada, where it's not necessarily a love story, but there's that attraction. And then that same kind of like, you know, espionage, like it just has a little bit of everything in it. Yeah. Like it almost like I forgot about Ada. Like it all. I'm not shitting on Resident Evil 2 because I think I for me, Resident Evil 2 would be my number two Resident Evil game after Resident Evil 4. But like they I feel like this was like. Because like I don't want to get into Resident Evil Three very much because we'll end up doing it. I have a, my buddy Patrick has been asking me to do Resident Evil Three forever as well. I didn't like Resident yeah. Evil Three as much as Two. I felt like Three it started to get silly a little yeah, bit. As yeah, awesome as Nemesis is, it started to get silly. Whereas Resident Evil Two to me, like adding in like Ada and and Mister X and you got fucking the two character and all that shit. Like I feel like it it came up to the it came up to the edge of almost be trying to cram in too much. But I feel like yeah. it didn't quite go over it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't feel overwhelmed at the end. Like, if I had played this game when it came out, I would have been foaming at the mouth to get my hands on Resident Evil 3. Like, foaming at the mouth to be like, what the fuck? What's going to happen next? Um, oh, yeah. And, and that's definitely, like, uh, uh, the place I was in. And especially because 3 takes place pretty much parallel. Like, it's one of those... Um, it's not, like, the next story. It's the story taking place at the same time as 2. Yeah just in a different part of the city with different characters right yeah um so that in itself was like a really cool bridge but like when two came out it just blew my mind so i was so hyped for three and uh it was still i was young enough that playing it at night scared the shit out of me because it you know the forced camera angle is such a like unique to resident evil you can't really change it around sometimes you're running through a hallway and you're like fuck this hallway fuck this hallway, fuck this hallway. And every time you run through it, you're just waiting for someone to burst through a wall and break you through that like shock horror technique. Yeah, man. Or when you can hear something. Oh, yeah. Like when you go into a room and you can hear like a, like a... The claws <sighs> clattering or something. Yeah, but you don't like know it, where they are because the camera can't move. Like... Oh. Or you or you hear like a drip, right? You'll hear like the drip from a pipe and you're like, fuck, that's such a weird ambient audio effect. Like what, you know? thinking I was in radio and television in, in MCHS at the time. So like all those little details are stuff that, you know, the, the radio and television teacher would harp on you as like, these are storytelling techniques. So it's like foreshadowing. Right. So it's in the back of my mind, like, why is there a drip in this room? But you never hear that anywhere else. It's not like just a normal ambient audio. And then later you run in the room and the pipe bursts and a fucking alligator comes out or something. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it, these games are like, they're legitimately even to this day. Like I'm a 36 year old man who has played games like the last of us. I know there there's, there's outlast. There's the resident evil remakes. I get that there are scarier games today than resident evil two was back in the late nineties on the original PlayStation. But to this day, if you've never played it, you're going through and it's fucking creepy, especially at night. And you yeah. can hear those sounds like, it's a massive tip of the cap to Capcom that they were able to make a game this creepy with the hardware they had on the re on the original PlayStation. And I'm telling you, man, like anyone that listens to the show regularly knows, like I fucking shit all over games where I don't like the controls or the cameras. Like that's my number one pet peeve is bad controls and bad cameras. And I don't really like the Resident Evil controls, but just like we said in the first episode, it's such a unique experience that the the tank slow almost frustratingly crappy controls work in this game's favor and make it better. Like I'm really, I really admire that they were like, Hey, this guy clearly handles like a shopping cart. We don't let them turn the camera at all. People are going to yeah. die based on the controls and it doesn't take away from the experience. It adds to it. That's insane. Yeah. 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 No, exactly. It's one of the things I really like about the gears, gears of war series is that the controls enhance the game. Like, 
you know, the wall jumping and stuff like that in gears. It just makes it so that it's part of the fun. And if you can, whether by accident or on purpose, create something like that where if the controls are a little bit janky or the movement has such a unique flow to it that it enhances the game, like that's a win. That, that can, you can lose points on storyline because that enhances the gameplay and the experience, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking, it's really, like I'm telling you, like these controls wouldn't work in 90% of games. But quite frankly, if the controls were better in Resident Evil 2, where you could turn the camera or, you know what I mean? Like, or it did play more like a, I don't know, just a, a Mario 64 or a Crash Bandicoot or pick your poison or, of whatever. Or even, or even the Uncharted series, where it's more of an action-based game, you can control the camera angle, but it's, it's it becomes an action game. Like that's, I feel like that's what they did with little bit in four but more like five where it just i didn't feel like i was playing a horror game in five i felt like i was playing an action game yeah five, and like and i will say listen like i actually really like resident evil five but like it's oh, completely the, the different. multiplayer yeah yeah well, that's a different that's a different topic we'll, yeah we'll get it, into that it's insane like even resident evil four like now that i've played the original trilogy and i'm more familiar with the the roots of resident evil i see resident evil four and i'm like they really like i get how uh, people were talking about what an incredible deviation from the original gameplay Resident Evil 4 was. Um, yeah. And this isn't about Resident Evil 4. This is about Resident Evil 2. But like, tip of the hat to Resident Evil 4 for them reinventing a franchise people loved and people being like, this is even better. Like, this is yeah. fucking unreal. But like, I'm t- like, Resident Evil 2, I just... I, I know I keep repeating myself. I just like I'm such a stickler for my controls. That's my number one thing. I don't care if the game looks good. I don't care if it sounds good. I don't care if the story makes a lot of sense or not. Is it fun and is it easy to control? And the, this game is not easy to control. But I never ever once found myself angry at the controls because it was just so slow and it just makes it so fucking tense. Because you're like, if a bad guy really gets the drop on me, I'm not going to be able to stop him because of these fucking controls. And that adds to it. Like I fucking love that. Loved it. Yeah. That's where you have the shotgun and you never use any of your ammunition. You're like, ah, just in case. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> uh, and like, and I've ranted about that a million times. I'm the guy that finishes an RPG with 20 game overs and 45 elixirs in his item bag because I refuse to use them because I got to save them for later, even though I should have just fucking used them. And the same thing in this, I got a hold of a shotgun. If I've got like four bullets for that, like four shells for that shotgun, I'm like, I have got to be on death's door before I use one of these fucking shells because I cannot yeah. afford to waste any of this fucking any of this. And I, that's another thing is um, I f- like, does this game have difficulty modes? I can't remember if it does. Uh, I know resident evil three did. I can't remember if two did. Cause I didn't find this game as hard as resident evil one. It's no, it definitely wasn't. Um, but one was new. I don't know if you played it when it was new, but I found one hard because I was younger. And like, I think it was probably, when PlayStation one first came out, that was probably one of the first games I played on the PlayStation one was resident evil one. And then Laura Croft, like tomb Raider. Right. And, uh, I was so used to like super Nintendo and maybe N64 at that time. So it was just like a whole, like mind boggling experience. And it wasn't until final fantasy seven came out that I was like, Oh, I have to get this system. So, Right. It was just very, like, foreign to me, right? Yeah. And you know what? Yeah, and you might have brought up a good point. Like, maybe part of the reason this game didn't seem so hard was just because if you've played the original, you at least have 
uh, a, a poor man's grasp of those weird controls. Because, like, really, same as, like, again, I'm sorry I keep bringing it up, but same as Resident Evil 4, people, like, when they re-released it on Switch, people were just like, dude, these controls don't work anymore. And I'm like, they do. Just give it an hour, and then you'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, this makes sense. And it was the same thing. When I hopped into Resident Evil 2, it just took a few minutes for that muscle memory from Resident Evil 1 to come back. And then I was like, these controls aren't that bad. Like, I know what to do now. Do you know what I mean? I and Because another thing, dude, that I fucking love about this game, that's a great transition by me, fucking rights, is uh, there's some... Zombies everywhere, and you just learn not to fight all of them. Like, just run past them. Do you know what I mean? And you figure out how to run past them without getting caught with these weird-ass tank controls. Because you go into, like, some of these rooms in the police station and stuff. Like, there's a room right to the... uh, On the right side of the main hallway when you come in. And you go into the room, and there's, like, tables throughout the middle of the room. And it's, like, a donut around them. Kind of like a rectangular donut shape around them. And there's, like, three or four zombies just slowly dragging around in there. And instead of wasting bullets or anything fighting them, you can just kind of lure them all to one side of the table, then run around the other way, grab the gear out of the safe, and then run out of the room without even... Like, they're not even really much of a threat if you know how to outsmart them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I love that mechanic, because that's what I think of when I think of zombies. I don't want a ton of fast-running, we'll-eat-you, like, Night of the Living Dead zombies. You know what I mean? Like, I want fucking slow-moving Shaun of the Dead zombies that I can just outsmart. So that's like... uh, So in Resident Evil... I did. I was too dumb to figure this out in Resident Evil One, but in Resident Evil Two, Resident Evil Two, uh, my buddy and I, what we would do is have the knife. We would slash him one or two times, and then like headshot him once to save ammo. So we would still fight those four zombies, but we had like a technique to save the bullets. And like you said, you could deal with like a you know four of them just kind of by tactically moving in and you know having a system. So. I just quickly looked up Resident Evil 2, the original Japanese version, was found to be too difficult. So a regular and a rebalanced easier setting called USA mode was added. Really? <laughs> Later, the American release. Okay, so that makes sense because when I, because I, I mean, I guess, yeah, come arrest me if you want to, FBI. Like, I've played this on ROM because I don't have, like, it's really hard to find the, like, Resident Evil 2, like, it's not, the remake is, is on most stuff, but like, I didn't have access to the original one, so I just put it on my PlayStation Classic. And the ROM file I downloaded said USA in the name of the title. And I thought, like, well, that's weird. Of course it's USA. Like, they're an American, it's an American <laughs> city, right? But that makes sense now, is I got the dummy version. They were just like, you're not good enough yeah. to play the hard one. Here you go. Maybe that's why it was easy, because I played the USA version. Oh, that makes like way Adam's sense. Done. Why yeah. do we keep they're getting, like- why do, why, why, here's my rant for this episode. Why are North Americans so shitty at games? Like, why do we, like, Super Mario Brothers 2? No, they're too dumb for that. Give them Lost Level. Or give them the fucking, the other, that fucking Doki Doki Panic clone or whatever. And then Resident Evil 2, they're like, oh, there's no way they're going to be able to do that. And it's like, yo, America knows guns better than anybody. If there's one country in the world that you could trust with a game that has guns in it, it's the United States of America. And then by association, their little brother up north here in Canada, that's us. We don't need these fucking easy versions of everything. Make it... I think it... It has to do with like the fundamental philosophy that our countries approach games with. So in like uh, Asian countries like Japan, or Korea, um, maybe other countries. I just know Japan and Korea re- and China take video gaming really seriously. And so since the the like go with video games, they treated them like a competitive sport. Mm-hmm. They're the first countries to ever have that, right? Whereas we're just now getting into that. So they've always thought of it as a competitive market. And always thought that they have to be harder, not fun. Right. right? Well, see, but now that so like a game. Go ahead. So a game like StarCraft, you know, uh, 
Starcraft 2, I think, was the started uh, introducing like moves per minute and actually measuring how fast you think when you play that game. And like the average pro North American is something like 240 moves per minute, whereas the average pro Korean is like 480 moves per minute. So like they just take it, they they just naturally approach it at a, like a higher, more competitive level than we do, even though like North Americans are known for our competitiveness. Right. Whereas like in sports, you know, where especially the States, like they push for those elite athletes, like that's the elite. So then with real guns, naturally. Right. Right. Well, like, cause I will say like, I mean, I've, I've said it many times, like we went to Japan a couple years ago and I absolutely felt like I would move to Japan if I could, like I fucking fell in love with it there. And obviously, yeah, the gaming culture there is insane, but yeah, I guess that makes sense that they keep getting these hard, cause I'm telling you guys, and I, I sure hope this doesn't, I don't even know what's racist anymore. I'm trying not to, cause I'm not a racist person. And I, this is a complete no, compliment. What I'm about to say no, is complete just, compliment. Like this is just commentary on cultural. Sure. Sure. I don't think, but you talking about how the Japanese, like they play the harder versions of games and stuff like, like dude, when I'm playing Tetris 99 and I get my ass beat by a guaranteed, like nine times out of 10, or if I'm playing Splatoon tonight, cause I don't play a lot of online games or Mario Kart eight online. Like anytime someone feeds me my lunch, sure as fuck. It's got that little Japanese flag and then the Japanese name that I can't read because I can't read Japanese and I'm just like I'm always like why are you so fucking good at all these I'm like why can't well, I beat you at anything and it's alright because they always you. get the hard versions want me to break your heart too sure it's a 12 year old I, I know I, can't, <laughs> I know that's the problem I'm like there's some fucking 12 year old kid sitting on the other side of the world right now laughing at me because I'm not very and it's like yo put me in a matchup of Mario Kart 8 against 10 Canadians and I'm like yeah I'll be a guarantee like top 3 I'm fucking confident I can finish in the top 3 no problem Americans too North Americans no problem but then when those fucking Japanese players start popping up I get like I'm like oh fuck me because I'm about to get my like, ass kicked but now it makes sense oh, I, because they train on the hard versions of games and then send us the soft ones so that we're never as good exactly sons of I, bitches i emphasize heavily i fucking quit playing smash brothers because of that yeah because so they're just so good i don't know well, then, fuck pk fire pk fire fuck you pk fire fucking nest um so yeah so, to, <laughs> so okay so then talking talking resident evil 2 i'll ask you this because when i put the rom on my playstation um i couldn't get the claire file to work like, I don't know, yeah. it's got something to do with the ROMs, and I'm not very smart, and I just couldn't make it work. So I've only ever played through the game as Leon. But my understanding oh, is you can play... Back. Try, try and get it. It's a whole different story. It's a whole different villain. Like, when I was talking about uh, uh, William... Uh, what the fuck's his name? William Birkin or whatever. Birkin, yeah. William Birkin and the G-Virus. Like, that's the Claire story. Because, like, it's a totally different story. Like, Leon's fighting a tyrant with Ada Wong. And then Claire's having to fight this scientist, William Birkin, and uh, trying to rescue this little girl named Sherry, William Birkin's little daughter. And uh, Sherry gets infected with the, I think it was the T-virus or the G-virus. I can't remember which one. She gets infected. And so like the whole Claire story is rescuing this little girl. And Leon comes in and like helps Claire at one point. Like it's just this this entwined but totally different story yeah and that's what, okay because that's like because i know you're a resident evil 2 junkie and i was like there's no way i'm gonna be able to do this game justice without like a a, a fucking a guru on the podcast because i have only played half but like i've been reading about it and they're like yeah you play as leon and then you can play as claire or you can play as claire and then you can play as leon and then the second half of the game is different and both their storylines are different and they both go into the same areas but they go in at different times and stuff like that right and you can leave stuff yeah. and like items that you pick up the other person can't pick up or something 
something or vice versa and um i, I can't remember if it was like that because like i mean because like you play him and it's not like a multiplayer thing so i don't think it affects it like that necessarily i can't remember okay what is, but, a, but either way in like, a hot way. it's two but characters the thing you like as you're playing as claire the things that are going on in leon's story do affect what's going on in yours so then when you go back and play the other character's story, you're like, oh, this is what he did. Yeah, right? yeah. Or what she did. So there is that crossover effect. But it's not like uh, it's not like if I took a plant that Leon wouldn't have it. Right. And when you go to play his story, it doesn't, I don't think it affected it. Like well, that. I want to, like, and I may be talking out of my ass, but I want to say there were one or two instances where you come across, like, you could pick up one of two items or something and then whatever one you don't take will be there for the other person or something like that maybe it's like a better yeah. animal or like something i don't know something like that um, but but i think it's still in that same storyline like it wouldn't be the next time you go play the game i don't think it crossed over like that it would just still be like if you're playing as claire and say you grabbed a, a machine gun yeah and you had an option to grab the machine gun or the shotgun then leon later in your storyline as claire would have the opposite of what you grabbed yeah that's what i mean is like then if you play the game as the other person the other item is sitting there because the person already took one or whatever i don't know i I, I, I can't remember the fact that they did this some nerd's gonna correct us oh yeah oh yeah there's somebody somebody like considering the weight that there's been for this episode somebody's losing their shit right now which i get that's why part of me loves that Uh, um uh I love that they fucking, they put the time into putting two different, like, cause again, like I know I'm I'm going back, I'm repeating myself, but like they could have mailed it in. They could have done the Leon story. This is Leon. He's a new baby cop here in Raccoon City and he's got to figure out what the fuck happened. But they were like, they were like, Hey, let's put in a whole second game as well. Featuring the sister of the star from the first game. And it ties it all. Like they like, I, I fucking get off on it when game developers, go the extra mile and really put some beef on the bone and really put some time and heart and love into the games. And that's so obvious that they did it here. Do you know what I mean? Like they could have, like I know Resident Evil 1, you can play as two different characters as well, but I love that they brought that back and really expanded on it. Like I I fucking, I just, I'm so blown away by the quality of this game. I'm mad at myself that I didn't play this game when it came out, that I waited as long as I did. Uh, Because I think it would have been really special to have played it when it was new. Oh yeah, for sure. And then, I'm pretty sure it's this one or it's Resident Evil 3, but I'm, I think it was Resident Evil 2. If you beat it in a certain time, a certain way, like, I think you couldn't save. You had to play it through. And it takes about like an, two hours maybe to beat it if you know what, know what you're doing, right? So I think it was if you beat it without saving, it unlocked then a third character and a third mode where you played as like this umbrella special forces dude named Hunk. So you like wake up in a sewer and you have a little MP5 and like it, it's... I'm pretty sure it was Resident Evil 2 that you could do that. That I didn't know um, that. That's fucking awesome. And, and it might be 3, and I might have just like wrecked a major thing in 3. So <laughs> if I did, delete this out of the episode. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not. No, fuck that. I'm leaving that in. No, fuck that. Let's ruin some lives. Let's it, fucking do it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Podcasting's a weird job because I talk to you nerds all the time. Every day, I tell you all about my life. The good and the bad. The ugly... I kind of keep that offline. And it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it. I just need to pick and choose 
who I talk to. We all have stuff that just lives in our minds, rent-free, 24-7. Talking about them can really help because the longer you keep something bottled up, the more likely it is to blow. You've heard me say it before and you're going to keep hearing me say it. Therapy is the way. Therapists can be that ear to bend when you really need to get something off your chest and don't know who to talk to. And better help is a great way to go about it. I don't BS you guys. I don't say I've used something if I've never used it. I've personally talked to a BetterHelp therapist about the stuff going on in my personal life, and I genuinely found it helpful. To have someone to talk to that doesn't have any skin in the game, that can just listen and try to help me come up with a roadmap to get through the tough times... It's just invaluable. It has seriously really helped me. I've talked to my therapist through video and you can do it that way or you can do it over the phone or even just over chat and they give you as many schedule options as possible so you can work a session in around your life. It's licensed therapy as convenient as it gets. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash remember the game today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash remember the game. But it's like this whole other mini game at the end of it where if you, and this is before, I think, well, the internet was, was really hammered out at this point and kind of the, not what it is now, but you could look up like walkthroughs and shit like that. But this was like a whole nother like level to it. And then you're this elite special forces. You don't see his face. You've got the gas mask on and you have to rip through and you're trying to steal the G virus from William and uh, get out of the, you know, escape essentially. So you have this like timed escape mode. Like it's so, so cool. It's just like you said, there's just so many layers to the game. And when a developer does that, man, right on. You put the effort in. I, I can see it. I appreciate it. It's like the Halo developers, right? Yeah. Like they put their heart and soul into that game. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And like, like I, that's what makes me like now, now that I've played it and I know a lot more about what's going on in it and all the extra stuff and things like that. I'm like, not only do I understand why, it's as beloved and respected as it is as a game, but I'm like, I'm happy that it's gotten that recognition. You know what I mean? Because there are some great games and some deep games that just never get, for one reason or another, they just never get the love that they deserve. And I love that this, like, (laughs) what's so nuts about Resident Evil 2 is like everybody, like when you look up the lists of the best games on the PlayStation and stuff like that, Resident Evil 2 is always in the top three. Like, Always oh, sure. like the top three is made up of some combination of Final Fantasy VII, Metal Gear Solid, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and Resident Evil 2. Like, it's always some combination of those games in the top three yeah. or four games. And it's like, not only is this game the most beloved Resident Evil game on the PlayStation, one of the most beloved PlayStation games, one of the most beloved Resident Evil games, but then they remade it and people are like, you just took a great game and made it even better. Resident Evil 2 Remake was like a contender for game of the year last year. And it's like, and I had. I haven't played it yet. Me neither. <laughs> I know me neither. And I'm so, oh, people, now people are losing their shit. I promise yeah. I have intentions of it. I'm just a cheap piece of I, shit who has too much to play already. I, and that's, I'm like, I'm trying to get it. I want to get another switch for my house so that Brittany has one. And then I have one. We're going to get arc on the switch. Cause I love the survival, uh, you know, the survival building games. And I feel like arcs one that, you know, we can both play and enjoy together and maybe her brother will get in it. But low key, it's like oh, I want Resident Evil Two remake. I know, and it drives me crazy. I get like the fact that that game isn't on Switch by now shows that clearly they can't get it to run on the Switch. Like that's the only yeah, reason that and, it's not there. And I only have a PC and a Switch, so that's like I'm not going to buy a PlayStation Four for one game. No, right? Because uh, I'm an, I'm an adult, and that's what you do. You sacrifice things for the betterment of your household. Yeah, and your child. Then, you got a baby. Yeah. You're a baby daddy now. You got stuff to yeah. spend your money on. Um, yeah. 
yeah. But that's like, that's just like, I'm like, like, maybe this is going to sound stupid to somebody that either doesn't like Resident Evil or has never played Resident Evil. But like, and I'm telling you guys, I can't pay a higher compliment than this. Like, I put the Resident Evil, like, I know they kind of lost away. Like, I'm telling you guys right now, Resident Evil 6 is fucking hot garbage. Resident Evil 7 apparently is fantastic. I'm too scared of it to play it. But of the original, like of Resident Evil 1 to 5, I'm like, to me, 4 and 2 are the, like, blow away standouts. And I legitimately put those games on the same pedestal that I put my favorite Mario games, my favorite Zelda games, the Mario Karts. Like, I can't pay it higher praise than that. Resident Evil 2 is fucking incredible. And it's so fun running around a police station and running around this destroyed city. And then you get to do it as two different people. And there's Mr. X and all these creepy fucking characters showing up. And Ada Wong is there. And the stories intertwined with each other. And they tie back to Resident Evil 1. And it's campy, but it's not campy. And it's just fucking so good like I, I i there has not been another I, there has not been another retro game that i've played for the first time to prepare for this podcast that i was angrier that i didn't get to experience when it was new as this one like i have replayed probably 15 or 20 retro games or i've played them for the first time to get ready for an episode of this show and none of them was i like oh i wish i had played this when it was new and fresh as i did with resident evil 2 because i it would have been so much fun i would have put so many hours into this game locked in my fucking bedroom just getting scared out of my fucking mind running around this city like i I probably played it 10 times per character when it first came out like i i it was the game i played a ton and then resident evil 3 3 same thing uh played it like replayed it probably 10 times time trials you know just little games to try and try and beat it try to unlock like you know all that shit so yeah i totally understand what you're saying because this is a major part of like me not doing well in high school (laughs) is resident evil (laughs) 2 i get it mine was tony hawk so i get it yeah the tony hawk games i almost didn't graduate because of tony hawk bro i I think resident evil 2 i was still in uh still in junior high but oh okay that's kind of when that's when i fell off you know i just i don't know yeah (laughs) <laughs> no it's like dude yeah like capcom dude and you know i i can't believe i never thought of this until right now that it shows how stupid i am when i was talking about how mega man to mega man 2 was such an evolutionary jump that's capcom and so is resident yeah. evil to resident evil 2 how fucking infuriating is it like i know that we just and- got mega man 11 and i know that resident evil 8 is coming right away and resident evil 7 was awesome but it's like you just you look at capcom and you're just like dude you guys could be like Right there with Nintendo and Naughty Dog and just like at the at the top of the top, you've got these franchises everybody wants to play more and more and more of. Why is it Resident Evil 2 on the Switch? Like just the regular game. Even if we can't have the right? remake, just fucking give us the regular game. You know how many people would experience that for the first time and fucking love it? Like you've got this. Give us, give us the game! <laughs> just I, Well, and even and building on that, like even Capcom's uh, Street Fighter to Street Fighter 2 was just such an like an evolutionary jump. They're so good at that. Yeah. Right? It's like they deserve a mount. I mean, obviously they have franchises that we all love. Capcom, like I like Capcom games, like, but uh except I hate Street Fighter, but that's whatever. Uh but you're right, yeah, that's three for three. That they took a, the, somebody who played who trapped you in a corner with Chung Lee, isn't it? <laughs> no, I yeah, well, no, it's a computer <laughs> doing it. Dude, when I was getting ready to record that episode, <laughs> I fired up the computer and I like couldn't beat one per I'm so bad at fighting games. I was like, fuck, I hate this game. But you're right. So that's three for three where they've taken a game where they've laid out a, a groundwork and a blueprint and been like, Hey, I want to make a franchise out of this. And then they've made it into a franchise and they could have simply just mailed it in and made more of the same, but they didn't. And I think that's really cool. And like Resident Evil 2 deserves all the love that it gets. I 
I I cannot suck this game's dick enough. Like I was so blown away by it. The only beef I have with it is that I really want to play both sides, and I don't know if it's available anywhere. I don't know. I gotta look to see. I don't think it's on the PlayStation Store. I think you can only buy the new one. I don't think you can buy the original one. Maybe on Vita. I'm looking yeah, right now. I'm not sure. See, and I'm waiting for the PlayStation for it to be ported to the PC, and then I'll play it. That's my big. That's the only way I'll be able to. I just, I can't, unless my cousin gets it and then I go fart around at his place or you get it and COVID, our own like biohazard fucking debacle yeah. clears up and start hanging out. Yeah, someday. Fuck me. Um, Two years from now, they're saying like it's brutal. Yeah. The I zombie mean, apocalypse didn't last this long in Resident Evil. No, you're right. Fuck or maybe you. it did. It, it lasted way longer. Yeah, way longer. They, they nuked Raccoon City. Let's just, I don't know. Did you? We gotta pick on this show. So I gotta ask you too. Like, where did you play this? Did you play it on PlayStation or did you play it on sixty four? PlayStation. Okay. Cause like I'm just reading like the Wikipedia page about it, and I guess a ton of people like were saying that the Nintendo sixty four version was better because the analog stick like made it better and stuff like that. I I could see that for aiming and stuff. Like that would have been a game changer. And you didn't need dual sticks for a game like this. Like just the one would have been great. Cause as soon as you have to aim down your gun to start. Like it, that was one of the exciting parts of it. Like the mechanic of like, you can't just run and gun. You have to like stop, aim, shoot a few rounds and then run, you know, and it doesn't necessarily parallel real life, but I don't know. I've tried to shoot a gun while running and it is not easy Yeah, and not something I would recommend to anyone. And going back to like what we've been saying, I think if you had been able to run and gun in this game, it like... It may not have broken it, but it certainly wouldn't it, like the, those that slow methodical tank control and the having to stand still to shoot and the up, down or straight ahead like that all adds to it. Like it's not yeah. the, the simple fact of the matter is like the bad guys aren't big and scary enough to work if you've got real controls. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you can play like a regular video game, the bad guys are nowhere near dangerous enough to stop you. But when they're when they're slow and dumb and easy to fight but you're slow and dumb and easy to kill then it kind of balances out and works really really well yeah 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 exactly fucking love oh god i love this game i i'm i'm just reading right now and unless the wikipedia page is out of date it says uh it's been released on the playstation windows nintendo 64 dreamcast and gamecube that's it and then the remake i i'm just like i mean maybe yeah, it's because they the remake is on the pc yet though is it uh, it says remake was released for PS4, Xbox One, and Windows in 2019. Oh, sweet. So, I'm going to check that. But like, and yeah, so I get that maybe the reason they haven't put it on other stuff is because they would rather sell you the remakes. But it's just like, this is something we talked about when we talked gaming preservation on the show a little while ago and stuff like that. Like some of these phenomenal games need to just be out there for all of us to like, just throw it on the fucking eShop for 10 bucks. Do you know what I mean? Like They'll they won't. On it. Like, What's that? They'll make money on it. Lots of guys love going back and playing the retro game. Like, yeah, like I exactly. Buy the, I buy the original. I would get that in a heartbeat for ten bucks, and me that's too. in my wheelhouse for uh, for financial planning when you have a family. Yeah, me too. I'd buy it in a heartbeat. I gotta play that. We gotta play that fucking remake. I'm so sick yeah. and tired of reading about how phenomenal that remake was, and I was like, "There's no way I'm playing that until I play the original." And now that I've played the original, and not only have I played the original, but I like I have a serious crush on the original. I'm like, okay, now I got to see what this fucking remake is all about because it looks dope. And like, I I legitimately really like the story in this one. Like the story in the first one, I thought was kind of stupid, quite frankly. Like it was more about scaring me than about telling a great story. But I enjoy the story in this one. Right, right, right. And that's kind of like, like I was saying, even the, just the translation in the port was way better. You know, you don't have lines like, Claire, 
the master of lock picking. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that so one cheesy. just killed me. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. Uh, have Have you ever gone and watched a YouTube video of the like Resident Evil timeline and tried to see like so much like Final Fantasy VII or Castlevania, like it's just one of these like Japanese storytelling techniques where I just maybe don't get the culture as deeply as I should for how much I enjoy things that come out of the culture. Yeah. Um, if you get a chance, go on YouTube, watch like a, a full overarching, like resident evil timeline and a Castlevania timeline, because it is insane. Like these are, these are storylines where it's like, Oh, I get it. You know, zombies, viruses. Oh, cool. And then you watch the storyline. You're like, I didn't get that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, this is why they dumb it down. This is why they dumb it down for us Westerners. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Oh, like, I see. Like here I am saying how great this story is in this game and how much I love this game, but like if you asked me, hey Adam, what's the story from Resident Evil One? I'd be like, Well, they're in a they're in a mansion, they can't leave because there's zombie dogs outside and now they're fighting zombies in this mansion. And then it'd be like, Okay, well, what's the story in Resident Evil Two? Like, while well, they're in the city with the zombies that were at the mansion and one of them is a cop that doesn't know what's happening. And the other one is the sister of the guy from the mansion who doesn't know where her brother is. And they'd be like, well, what's the story from Res-? And then, oh yeah. And then apparently they look into where the zombie or the virus came from, but there's different kinds of the virus. And then there's a fucking crazy guy running around trying to get his virus back. And then there's a girl in a dress who's really good at karate that fights people too. <laughs> <laughs> and then it'd be like, well, what's the story to Resident Perfect. Evil 3? There's a big zombie guy out to kill all the cops. Oh, yeah. So yeah. then there's nothing touching on like Wesker, the no. family that runs Umbrella and how they're trying to achieve immortality. And it's this whole like whole monarchy and the old dude is trying to transfer his conscience. And there's a whole like convoluted story. And like Code Veronica starts to touch on it. And there's these twins and dude, yeah, the whole like fucking thing is like. When I started diving into it, I was like, oh, man, I'm dumb. Yeah, and uh, if I, I if I have a criticism of the Resident Evil series, other than Resident Evil 6, because I fucking hate that game, um, it's that, like, and maybe I just haven't paid enough attention and tried hard enough to learn the backstory, but I'm like, to me, the like, if I was in charge of Resident Evil, the backstory would have been simple. These people created this virus... You can decide why, if it was a cure or a weapon or whatever. The virus got out, and now the whole world's turning into zombies. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know if I would have gotten into all this extra stuff, because now, like, if I have a criticism, like I said, of this franchise, it's much like Metal Gear Solid, where I'm just like, I have no fucking idea what is going on in the overarching world of this game. Like, no yeah. fucking clue. And like I was saying, I think that's just, like, a cultural thing. Like, I think that's how the Japanese tell, tell stories. Like, their storytelling technique is to have, like, this surface level, and then this whole other thing that if you just want to focus on what's going on, face value, and, you know, that happens in North America too. Definitely there's layered stories like that. But it just seems to be prevalent in, like, a lot of their content that they put out. And it is, you know, you can get as deep as you want, or you can just, there's zombies and that's how it is. Yeah, yeah, you're, I mean, like, yeah, that's a legitimate, like, a very fair point is that you. it really is a get out what you put in. And if I wanted yeah. to learn more about it, I'm sure I probably could. Like Final Fantasy VII, I found that story fascinating, so I did more reading about it and stuff like that. And, Re- yeah, yeah. and Resident Evil, I probably could, but I'm like, I just just let me be scared by zombies and run around shooting stuff. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, yeah, right. I just don't want to. So maybe that's not even a fair criticism by me because if I wanted to learn more about it, I could. I just don't fucking want to because I'm a stupid North American guy who needs easy games. So Take, take 15 minutes and watch the YouTube on it. There's a nice timeline breakdown in it. 
you you'll recognize a bunch of the characters and whatever and then it just kind of it opens your eyes a little bit maybe not to the full extent but I, okay. like i watched that and then i was like oh i'm good i i know enough now that i'm dumb thank yeah. you <laughs> all right i'll check that out i mean there's certainly criticisms other than this story like i mean I remember playing it and being like, what kind of weird fucking police station is this where they have all these puzzles and these weird like statues and, and fucking um, like like plaques that you have to go find and put into statues to open doors and stuff like, do you know what I mean? Like it would certainly be easy to criticize it and be like, this is kind of dumb. It's a police station. No wonder the city fell apart. The cops couldn't figure out how to get around the police station to fucking do anything because yeah. everything's locked behind something. But at the same time, like it, it, the game would be shitty if you didn't have to solve those. So it's like, you can either look for realism or you can suspend your belief and, and have it make more sense that way. So like, I'm fine. I'm okay with it. I can see why people would say it's dumb, but I don't care. I think it's fun. Well, I mean, I, I just assume that's how all police stations are. I've never been inside of one. Yeah. Me neither. Maybe that is just how they are. Maybe it's like very accurate. I, I, like, yeah, I think that's true to life. Is every police station is so complicated to get in and out of to hold the criminals in or zombies? <laughs> yeah, they they can't break out without going to the 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 conference room so, and then the room behind the conference room where the key to the then, safe to get the the to get the key card to open the door to get the plaque to put in the statue to unlock the other wing of the station is. Yeah, and then you have to light a fireplace which ignites the painting above and a ruby falls out. Uh, yeah. The sister ruby. Yeah. <laughs> like, and those rubies are worth millions, but it's for a puzzle to get out of the police station. So you need those. Yeah. 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 Never, fuck me. Like, it's, uh, yeah, I love I was, it. If, but fuck if me. If I was a character in that game, I'd find that ruby and I'd be like, well, fuck this city. Fuck the zombies. I'm out of here. I'm rich. Yeah. Good day. I did, like, I did want to spend more time out in the city, like running around the burning city. But then in Resident Evil 3, pretty well the whole game is out in the city or else down in the labs. And then yeah. by the end of it, I was like, I preferred Resident Evil 2 setting. You know, I liked yeah, the police no. station. And finding, you know, oh, another, sorry, we're going we're gonna to wrap this soon. But another thing I fucking love about Resident Evil 2 is just the little nods to Resident Evil 1. Like, I know that Claire is Chris's brother, but like reading yeah. stuff like plaques that said, I don't remember what it was, like Cop of the Year or Marksman Award or something was Chris Redfield. And you find Chris Redfield's desk. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. in stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that they tied it into the first one instead of just making them two different games. Like I, they, they clearly had intentions of making it into a franchise with that. So, which confuses me yeah. as to why they changed it up so much with three and then four and everything, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Well, and I think, I think they maybe, I don't know. I, that would be like a deep dive into what their thinking was, but Three, I felt like was still on track with everything because they just wanted a sister story with what Jill was going, almost like an expansion to do. And I know they had like a 1.5, uh, Biohazard 1.5 that was kind of almost like a tech demo to see what they could do. And so like, I think it was a project that maybe they were like, there was a lot of brainstorming and like a think tank on before they really uh, polished it with the third one. Oh, okay. Because I, yeah. yeah, I thought they took like, I, I don't know. I don't want to get into Resident Evil 3 very much because I really think that'd make a good episode. I liked Resident Evil 3, yeah. but I really thought like, to me, that was where they like, to me, Resident Evil 3 to Resident Evil 2 is Resident Evil 5 to Resident Evil 4, where they kind of got away from the slow tank stuff and kind of got into more of like a action-y running gun shooting game. And yeah, I preferred yeah. it slow and methodical. So yeah, for sure. Like to me, like Resident Evil Two is Super Mario Brothers Three, and Resident Evil Four is Super Mario World. Like they're just 
those two games to me are just like I Resident Evil 2 is a contender for my favorite retro games of all time list. Like it was I had so much fun oh, with this nice. game. I can't I got to fucking I got to find a way to play the Claire side. Fuck, I'm going to look uh I'll look afterwards cuz I'm not we got to end this thing. But I swear if it's on the PlayStation Network or the Xbox Store or something and you have all been yelling at us for the last 20 minutes yelling at your car stereo yeah. or into your headphones being like it's fucking right there it's $8. It's like I'm sorry, okay? I didn't know. But yeah, I don't we've I don't, already established we're dumb. We yeah. don't like to deep dive, so by the time this episode goes live, it's like probably going to be episode 111. You guys know by now. All right? We don't know what we're doing. That's not what this is. Go listen to Retronauts. If you want fucking smart, pe- if you want smart, arrogant fucking podcast hosts, go listen to that. If you want stupid, yeah, arrogant podcast hosts, and fucking stay here and listen to us make idiots of ourselves. Yeah, the new tagline for Remember the Game, the Blue Collar Gaming Podcast. Yeah, fucking right. Goddamn right we are. And we always play the dumb versions of games. So, yeah. Tyler, before we score there this you. thing and you go back to being a super dad and I go and get yelled at by my girlfriend, do you got any closing thoughts before we wrap this up? I uh, love the game. Still one of my favorite. Holds a special place in my heart. Uh, past that, like, and it to this day scares me. Like, I, it, I don't have a negative thing to say about this game other than the fucking doors. They didn't get rid of that. I oh, love the doors. That fucking... Fuck and you gotta wait? I fucking love that, man. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I just wanted to skip it because after like 30 minutes i'm tired of it yeah but that's the load screens baby that's like so many games do that now and i never even realized it until recently that that's what games are like final fantasy 7 remake where you're creeping through like an eye an alley and you're like leaning against the wall shuffling through that's clearly just a load screen and that's what these were they were load screens i love it because every time you go to an area for the first time you watch the door open and you're like oh i hope there's something good on the other side and then as soon as the door like as soon as the game reloads you just hear the fucking click 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 and you just yeah. like son of a bitch something's coming I- that's fair. I never thought of it. It still pisses it. me off, but I'm glad about it. So we got to score this thing. I've been looking for a number because we're obviously not going to score it out of two. That's no fucking good. Uh, it says that they... Two, two out of two. Two out of two. <laughs> it says that they, it shipped 5.7 million copies. So on a scale of one to 5.7 million, what would you score Resident Evil 2? Uh, a 5.6 million. Right. My only my only criticism is the door thing. I, I it was so innovative with the two stories and just everything about it. I loved, you right. know, even like you said, the shitty controls added to it. Like it, there's nothing that took away from it. The music added to it. It added to the scares. Like it was a perfect combination of video game and horror in my mind. Yeah, fucking right. Yeah, I'll give it a five and a half million. Like I, I fucking adore this game. Like I absolutely, I'm telling you, dude, when this podcast launched, I was pretty sour on the original PlayStation. And the more I go back and play those games, sure, they don't look very nice. But the more I go back and play them, the more I'm like, this was a goddamn good video game console. Like, and I mean, like I've played Spyro for the first time since I did this. I played the Resident Evil games for the first time since I got this. The Crash Bandicoot. Like it, it was a, it was a contender for like uh, SNES. PlayStation 1. Those are my top two uh, consoles. And then PC below it because, like, PC, I got Fallout for the first time on PC. StarCraft, Diablo. Like, I'm a big Blizzard guy. And all those Blizzard games, man, they hit it for me, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking, it's a, like, there's a reason, like, I'm a Nintendo fanboy, but there's a reason the PlayStation kicked the Nintendo 64's ass. And I like the Nintendo 64 enough, too, but, like, man, there's so many good games. And, like, honestly, like, it's just got me wanting to play more. Like I've, like I said, I played the original trilogy of these, uh, Spyro, uh, Medieval. I just played for the first time and fucking loved oh, it. Oh, nice! That's a classic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I can't wait. I gonna fire up a Tomb Raider and like I just, 
I'm really, gonna, really smitten with the original PlayStation, and and to, this I'm might be the best it has. I'm gonna lend you my uh, my gaming laptop, and I'm gonna load a bunch of the retro like the retro Blizzard games, the original Command and Conquers, and so we can start talking about some of those because they're just as they're on the same level and they're from the same era. The original Fallout shit like that. Oh, I fucking love it, man. I gotta love retro games. Like, this is why I don't want retro games to ever just go away. This is why we gotta keep finding ways to re-release these games. People complaining about re-releases on systems all the time. If we don't keep getting re-releases, a bunch of these games are gonna die forever, and that would be a goddamn tragedy. So, everyone should play Resident Evil 2. When and if we open the Remember the Game Hall of Fame, this will be on the ballot for the first induction class. So, um, Tyler, thanks for, for taking time away from being a baby daddy and working like a working like a champ to do this with me. I really appreciate it. And all of you that have been waiting for this episode, I hope that you finally have a little bit of closure and we can then move on to where's the Resident Evil 3 episode, which is now what I'll hear for the next six months. So, <laughs> but thanks for doing this, buddy. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, no problem. Thanks for being patient and putting it together. Like we, all of the guests obviously really appreciate the hard work you put into it. And it, uh, since we, we are obviously very busy and it's like hurting your video game, retro video game cats to get us together. <laughs> no, anytime buddy. Yeah, it's, uh, I love it. I fucking love it. You guys are the best. So thank you for doing this. That's going to do it for this week, Tyler. Thank you so much for giving me a call and talking a little Resident Evil 2 with me and every single one of you listening to these words right now. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Whether this is your first episode, your 111th episode, I don't care. I appreciate that you're part of our community. You're fucking welcome here. And please just, you know, subscribe and hang around and let's just take over the retro gaming world together. One step at a time. And if you're enjoying what we do, please consider supporting us on Patreon. It's only two bucks. You get extra podcasts. You can get your comments right on the show. You get a ton of stuff. Go to our webpage, rememberthegamepodcast.com to read all about it. When we hit 200 Patreons, you're all getting a lanyard from Remember the Game and a handwritten note by me. It may not sound like much, but it's fucking $2. What do you What do you want? And also follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv, or just go to Twitch, whatever, and look for Member the Game. Not Remember, Member the Game. You can. I'll be on there four or five days a week. You can chat with me, see the games that I'm playing. We can make to be best friends and it'll be a lot of fun and uh that's it that's it for the episode you guys and i'll follow you back on twitch too if you want to do it so uh that's it if you're on our patreon you guys get ready for game patch the first episode drops on your patreon feed on friday if you are not on our patreon feed get ready for game patch because you're going to hear it right here on the remember the game feed monday morning all of your best gaming news i'm really excited thanks for listening i'll talk to you again soon take it easy and cheers Remember the Game is brought to you by our Patreons. It simply couldn't exist without their support, and I would like to take a moment to thank everybody that has supported us at patreon.com slash rememberthegame. So a huge thank you to Aaron Kapal, Adam, or fuck. No, you know what? I'm not editing this out. You guys get the real dirt. A huge thank you to Aaron Kapal, Aaron Lawson, Adam Anderson, Adam Oshirello, Alex, Alex Martinez, Andre, Andrew Castro, Andrew Halepchuk, Andrew Wright, Andy Baker, Another Stupid Monkey, April Zane, Batter Barhumi, Bearded XP, Ben Bulyu, Ben Busha, Ben Drinkin, Bradley McHugh, Brandon O'Brien, Brian McKay, Brian Ransom, Bullfrog, Charlie M, Chris Campbell, Chris Flurry, Chris Wilson, Chuck Schlarp, Corey, Craig Kilcup, Craig Rutt, Crash Bandiquitted, Chris Knife 007, Curtis White, Dan T, Dario Omen, Dave L, Dave McGee, Dave Thompson, Desert Tortoise, Do Howe, Doug Dorn, Dustin L, 
Dylan, Eric Cannard, Evan Refuse, Fraser Burns, Gary C, Jin and Chris, James Clark, Jason Adams, Jason Cortez, Jeff Johnson from Game on GNT, Jeffrey Mathis, Joe Buck, Joe Gillespie, Joe Mack, Jordan, Josh Morgan, Josh from the Press Start to Join podcast, Kate Roberts, Casey Rarick, Keegan Wilson, Kevin Chicholo, Kevin Donlin, Kevin Hufford, Cryptovox, Kyle Paul, Lane Orr, Leon Knapsagog, Les Wylan, or Les Wynan, pardon me, Les Wynan. Lord Egbert, Luca, Mackenzie Wheeler, Mark McHugh, Mark 209, Matt Brown, Matt McLean, Michael Mathis, Michael Hag, Miklos Blackshaw, Miles Bring Back Retro, Mr. Nick, Nathan W, Nick Sills, No Juan Cares, Rex, Robert Fuchsia, Robert L, Rome 21, Ryan White, Scott Brooks, Scott V, Sean Razine, Sharonic, Slick Rick, Stupid Monkey, The Bevins Girls, The T Word, Todd, Tony, Travis, Tyler, Vladstein, White Burrow, Wyman Brooks and Yamcha. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. I really appreciate it. And I hope you all enjoy your first episode of Game Patch on Friday. Take it easy, you guys. Cheers.